again. Uh, hopefully you all feel like me, invigorated with Thanksgiving after that uh, song service this morning. Appreciate again uh, the opportunity to stand before you uh, that Mike and Wes have afforded me. Uh, I'm always
Because if you've gone down to the watery grave of baptism, whether you look at it as that or not, you've made a commitment to God. You, in essence, told God that I'm no longer going to live for the world. I'm not going to live for myself. I'm not going to live for anyone else. I'm going to live for you. And so as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number, verse number 12 through 14 talks about that commitment. And so we see that Paul was, and we know Paul's life, his writings, Paul was concerned about the commitment that the body of Christ made. He oftentimes wrote to the churches regarding them holding fast, them uh, being sure, being steadfast. He, he told the church of Corinth, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, that your labor is not in vain. And so um, he was concerned about that. And so we see here in Timothy, when he writes to Timothy in the second letter, he says in verse number six, if you back up a few verses, he says, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. And he talks about the gift of God that's been given to him through the laying on of hands. But he also recognizes that Timothy must understand something. When you look at uh, Paul's writing to Timothy a little later on. He tells him, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So he knows Timothy has been given something. And then that following verse in, in chapter 3, verse number uh, 16, says, All Scriptures given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, that the man of God may be perfect. Thoroughly furnished unto every good work. And so Paul wanted Timothy to stir up that gift which he has received through the Holy Spirit, through God, that he would be able to, as a young evangelist, we know also in his first letter to Timothy, he told him, he said, let no one despise thy youth. And so Timothy was a young man that had a great responsibility of carrying the word of God. And he's no different than you and I just in a different capacity. We have a great responsibility to carry the Word of God to those that are around us. There are many of our friends, our families, our co-workers, the only gospel they will see is you and I, my life and your life. And so we have a great responsibility. So we need to stir up that remembrance of that which God has given us to proclaim to others. Paul also, if you drop down to verse number 9 of that text, he lets them know of the blessings that he had in Christ, which is where that gift comes from. He says, who has saved us and called us with a holy call, not according to, the, to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given, unto, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has who have abolished death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. And so as we consider these few passages that Paul has written to Timothy, we have to recognize that we have in fact made the commitment of a lifetime. The fact that we have gone down in the water graves of baptism, the fact that we said Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world, 
He gave his life so that I may have hope of eternal salvation. I believe that. As a result of believing that, we repented of our past sin. We said we're no longer going to live to the world. We're now going to live for God. We confess the sweetest name known to mortal tongue, which is Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. We went down in the water and graves of baptism, and when we came out, we rose to walk in newness of life, but that was a commitment of our lifetime. And I have to say, as positive as that is, the negative is also true. Because for all those in the world who haven't made that commitment, they have made another commitment. And that commitment is to follow the world or to follow Satan. Doesn't matter, regardless, they're not following Almighty God. And so you say, well, how do you know, how do you know that's a commitment? I mean, you know, that's, that's, well, turn to Romans. Paul did a lot of talking to Romans about similar things like this. Romans chapter 6. He helps us to understand. He, he uses different words, but I think it means the same thing. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse number 16, Paul says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. And so there are those that are serving sin. Guess what? They're making a commitment to Satan. And for those that are serving Jesus Christ, that are serving God, you made a commitment to do the will of Almighty God. And so as we consider this commitment of a lifetime, there are a couple of things that Paul helps us to know that as we, we live out this commitment, as we have made this commitment, he wants to encourage us, as he was encouraging Timothy, that we should not be ashamed. The first thing is, we should not be ashamed of this commitment. I'm sure most of you, probably like I was, when I was a young Christian, you know, and someone asked me, or someone brought up church or religion, you know what, I probably bit my tongue once or twice. Might, might even be able to see the scars on the tongue. But, uh, but we, we bite our tongue. There's an opportunity for us to say something, but we don't say it. And so Paul encourages us to not be ashamed. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 8, he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And so he recognizes that we should not be ashamed. If you drop down to verse 12, which was read, For this cause, he says, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. We know Paul often, he wanted to let the readers, he wanted to let Christians know, he wanted to let the world know that he was not ashamed of the fact that he had given up his, his authority to kill Christians, and now he was preaching the gospel and trying to convert people to Christianity. And so in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I'm not ashamed of the power of the gospel. Uh, he, he lets us know. He is not ashamed, and we should not be ashamed as well. Uh, in Romans chapter 5, he, he, he mentioned to the church of Rome in verse number 5, when, when he talked about justification, and he talked about the fact that we are to be reminded that as we go through tribulation, that tribulation, it, it brings about uh, patience, it brings about hope, and he says that, should, that we should not be ashamed in verse number 5. 
We're not ashamed of what we have, the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And so Paul constantly wanted to encourage us to not be ashamed. We know that the example in the Bible, Peter, Peter was one who unfortunately at a time was ashamed. When they had taken Christ and they were going to crucify him, and he was kind of sneaking up behind, kind of, as we say today, laying low, if you will. And, and they asked him, well, you know, weren't, weren't you with Christ? Yeah, you were one of them. And the Bible tells us that three times he denied that fact. That's, that's a sense of maybe he was ashamed. Maybe he was embarrassed. Just didn't want to acknowledge it. He didn't know what was going to happen. But we also know Peter also made that great proclamation on the day of Pentecost. And so he got an opportunity to correct it, to change, to maybe repent of of what may appear that he was ashamed. And then we see Jesus in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus, let's turn over our Bibles over there. Matthew chapter 10. Jesus actually says, And again, he uses different words, but you can maybe maybe kind of interject the words of a shame. But he talks about if we don't confess them before men. And so in Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse number number 32, he says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. And so, if we deny that we're a child of God, then he said he's going to deny that he knows us before his Father, which is in heaven. And so, we must make sure that we are not ashamed of the commitment of a lifetime that we've made. The second thing that Paul wanted to encourage Timothy in is that not only should we not be ashamed, but recognize that we should be persuaded. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 12, as we read the remainder of that verse, and the King James words are a little different, that in other translations he says, For this, for the which cause, I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. And so we in fact ought to be, we ought to recognize, we should be persuaded. It's like being convicted, if you will, that we have made a commitment to follow Almighty God. In Romans chapter 14, verse number 5, Paul encouraged them. You see, he wrote to the church of Rome so much about a lot of these topics. And he says that every man should be fully persuaded. We want to be fully persuaded. But you know, the only way we can do that is to bathe our head in wisdom and knowledge through the Word of God. If we're not studying the Word of God, we're not going to be persuaded. We're not studying the Word of God. We're going to feel ashamed when someone approaches us. When someone asks us a question, or if someone maybe wants to know, well, why am I different than others? Why do we serve the Lord's Supper every Sunday? You know, why do we sing without instrumental music? 
And, and I might not want to answer those questions. But by studying the Word of God, by knowing what the Word of God says, by studying the Word of God, what did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would do? He said the Comforter's going to come. He's going to remind you the things that you've learned. And so when we're amongst our friends, our neighbors, our family members, the Holy Spirit reminds us. But guess what? If we haven't studied the Word of God, the Holy Spirit has nothing to remind us of. And so that's why we're encouraged to study the Word of God, to know the Word of God. So at that time, when someone asks me, you know, I, I may be working on a report at work, and someone comes over to me, and then I stop and I pause, the Holy Spirit will put that in. My mind may have been, I may have been entrenched in that report, but the Holy Spirit will help to bring back to our remembrance the things that we have studied. And we can be persuaded in that commitment that we have. And we can let people know, I'm going to take a stand for God. I'm going to stand all, my, all by myself. But the beauty is, when we come here, we fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're in Bible study, we know that we have those that are encouraging us, that are supporting us. Maybe my mind is, you know, so occupied that I can't think of it. You know what? We got this thing called the cell phone. I can send somebody a text, and they can text me back, and I can get an answer, and I can give them an answer right away. Years ago, I would have to say, well, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I got to go home, and I got to find the answer. Now we got technology where we can get that answer. I can Google something, maybe, just to get maybe the definition of a, a word. Someone says, well, what does this mean in the Bible? And it might help me to explain to them what it is that I need to tell them about the Word of God. And so, see, we can be persuaded to do the will of God by doing those things that God has encouraged us through His Word to do, and studying the Word of God is one of those things. And, you know, some of the situations we find ourselves in, they may be uncomfortable situations. Paul had to deal with that. Turn, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So Paul told the church at Corinth, I mean, you know, Corinth struggled with so many things. And he had to correct them on so many different levels. And he, he actually said at one time, he, he said, he questioned, you know, am I your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. And see, our friends... Our loved ones, they may think that we don't like them because we're telling them something about their soul state. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse number 9, Paul says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. And so because we know what ultimately is going to happen, the Hebrew writer says, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. Everyone is going to stand before the judgment of our God. And so we persuade Men, women, children, to accept Jesus Christ. To make that commitment of a lifetime that we're talking about. That, that Paul encouraged Timothy to do. So that they can make sure that their calling and election is sure.
short. I don't think there's anyone that would say, you say, Who, is there anyone here that wants to go to hell? I don't think anybody's going to raise their hand. So, if you don't, if you don't want to go to hell, well, you need to do something to correct that. There's only one way, and the Bible gives that. And that may be some strong language, and, and we know Paul dealt with a lot of that. And we're going to deal with that. I mean, we have, they say, some 500 denominations in the world. That's amazing. When we look at Acts chapter 2, we see there was one body of believers to now where there's 500 different denominations that have established themselves. And so we're going we're gonna to come up against some opposition, and, and it's, it's going to be some, you know, some unstable wars. But if we study, and, and the key to that is we do it in love. That's the key. If I tell someone in love, now they may not take it as that, but I'm telling them because I'm concerned for their soul. And if they understand that, now we if we come, we say, well, you need to do this, and, and you know we're real harsh about it. Guess what? We just set up a barrier, and so we're, we're not going to be able to persuade anyone to do anything. Because what they're going to be trying to do is they're going to be defending themselves. They're going to be trying to maybe prove us wrong. But if we teach them in love, we share with them in love, we let them know we're concerned about their soul state, then maybe they'll be receptive. Maybe we can bring someone to Jesus Christ so that they can see what the Word of God says and they too can be added to the body of Christ. And so as a result of our persuading men, wanting to persuade them. Paul actually asked the church of Galatia that question in Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10. He says, this is an important question. He says, do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. And so we want to persuade men to accept God. But our pleasing is we want to please God. And the only way we can do that is to share with them the Word of God. And obviously Paul, we know Paul is a, a good example of that because when Paul came down to, you know, the end of Paul's life, and Paul was, you know, was kind of like Jesus. You know, he was taken to uh, Felix, the governor. He was taken to Festus. He was taken to Caesar. Then he went to Agrippa. And, and he, he talked about his conversion. He shared with them how he became a child of God. And see, a lot of people knew Paul because they knew Paul was killing Christians. And so it was probably strange to them that Paul was saying these things about this, this Jesus Christ, this resurrected person. And then King Agrippa, had, he made that, that statement. It's a sad statement that anyone would ever make. He said, almost thou persuaded be a Christian. That's a sad statement that someone would make. Because, you know, obviously we're trying to persuade them and, and there's, there was nothing about Paul's speech and his testimony that indicated that he was, you know, trying to do harm to Agrippa or trying to tell Agrippa you're going to hell or anything like that. And it sounded like Agrippa actually was, was on the verge of accepting it. Anything else. 
so then the last thing we recognize in, the, in our scripture text is that Paul encourages Timothy in the commitment that he knows that Timothy has made. And so he recognizes that Timothy's going to have some challenges. But at the same time, he believes Timothy, Timothy's able to do it. He's, he's a young man, but he, he believes he has the tools, especially talking about the gifts that he has received from Almighty God through Jesus Christ. And so uh, Paul tells him that there's a recognition that we should have. And that's one in the earlier verses that we should recognize that Christ is the one who came and died for our sins. That what we have, we have in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, as it talks about we, when we recognize we, we need to be baptized, the old man, we go down in the watery grave of baptism, God does a spiritual surgery on us, the sins are washed away, the blood of Jesus Christ covers us, and then we rise to walk in Jesus, uh, walk in newness of life. And so that's as a result of what we have in Christ Jesus. We are now in Christ. We are a child of God. And so that commitment now has been recognized because we can tell the world, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. And as Revelations 2 and verse 10 says, if I'm faithful unto death, I'll receive a crown of life which fades not away. And so Paul wanted to encourage him of that. And so in verses number 13 and 14 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, in faith and in love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which... That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. And he, said, he says that to Timothy, but that's for all of us. We all have the Holy Ghost. Once we go down in the watery grave of baptism, that's what Peter told them on the day of Pentecost. He said, as a result of being baptized for the remission of your sins, the gift that you receive is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And he says, this promise is not just for you. But those that are far off, it's for everyone that accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in their life through the watery grave of baptism. And so we have, in fact, as a result of that, we've made a commitment of a lifetime. Turning your Bibles, if you will, to, to Job. Job chapter 5.
Peter gives his own explanation. Turn, if you will, to 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter reminds us of, of what, what Christ endured for us. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse number 23. He says, who went, uh, let's, let's back up a little. We'll back up to verse number 21. He says, for even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was God found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Jesus is our perfect example. You know why? Because I think it was mentioned, I think uh, Eddie may have mentioned it this morning at the table. When Christ was here, Christ easily, Pilate asked him, you know, what say ye about these charges against you? He could have easily defended himself. Could have walked away from the suffering that was about to happen. But you know what? Christ committed to the plan for man's salvation. And then when he went to the cross, I don't know about you, but if I was hanging on the cross with nails in my hands and nails in my feet, I was suffering rigorous pain. If I had the option of calling legions of angels to get me off that cross, I'm probably going to do it. But Christ committed to saving man from his sins. He committed to his Father's will. And, you know, again, that's the, that's the physical side of us. We say, oh, man, you know, whatever I can do to, to get away from that pain. But he knew there was, a bigger, there was a bigger goal at stake. And that was saving us from our sins. Accomplishing his Father's will. He came here because he committed to doing what his father asked him to do. And without that, you and I would have no hope of eternal salvation. And so we have to recognize that we, in fact, did make the commitment of a lifetime. Well, brothers and sisters, I would encourage you, and maybe you haven't considered these, these passages in that way. Maybe you're here and, and you recognize, you know what, I haven't made the commitment that I need to make to Almighty God. I haven't been, uh, uh, I haven't shown that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That I haven't been persuading men like I ought to. That I haven't been following the example of Jesus Christ, who truly showed that he was committed. We can let that be known. Just pray, come, and ask for forgiveness of sin. Make a change. You know, there are a lot of people in the world that, that have the opportunity. Someone asks them, someone studies with them, and after that study, they recognize what they're being told, but they're not willing to make that commitment. That's a shame. But for those of us that have made that commitment and maybe fallen away, the blood of Jesus Christ is all we need. Repentance. We come back. If you're here tonight and maybe you're not a child of God, maybe you need to, to make that commitment. And truly, it will be a commitment of a lifetime. But as I said earlier, and again, it's, it's no disrespect, it's no lost love, but we need to recognize that whether we commit to serve God or commit to not serve Him, we're making a commitment. The question is, are we going to be committed to doing His will? If you're here
hear you need to put on Christ of baptism. You can do that. You can let the, let the world know, fall out with the world and fall in love with Jesus Christ. Let everyone know I'm going to commit to Jesus. Put him on in baptism. Repent of your past sins. Confess that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. You can do that. Whatever your desire is, as we stand in the song.